deception. Thought criminals wage peace by way of the truth. Good morning, y'all. I'm Stephen Douglas Whitener, and you're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network at republicbroadcasting.org. And um, if you've been, uh, it's February the 3rd, 2024. Uh, Groundhog Day was yesterday. I want, um, I'm really thrilled to be here, y'all. I mean, RBN, it, 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 it's a listener-supported platform, and uh, I've been here about three years. If this is the first time you've uh, listened to me or the first time you've heard Thought Crime Live, I think we have some new folks uh, joining today with my guest on the stream. I want to say hello to y'all, too. And if, there's also a chat that's uh, Thought Crime Live, uh, chatango.com, also, and, and if you want to join us there. And uh, 
if you can help RBN uh, maintain this platform for free speech, you go to republicbroadcasting.org. There's a big yeller donate button there that one of our co-hosts says that you can just smash with PayPal. And um, there's also a uh, number that you can call if you could set up a monthly donation with a credit or debit card. It's 800-724-2719, extension 3. That's uh, 800-724-2719, extension 3. And if you, I mean, and also with the thing happening with the truckers that happened up in Canada too, and you want to remain anonymous but still support free speech, you can mail a check uh, payable to RBN uh, or a money order or just cash. I mailed some cash, which probably will be a crime one of these days, uh, to 2251 Double Creek Drive, Suite 302, Round Rock, Texas, 78664. I'll give that one more time. 2251 Double Creek Drive, Suite 302, Round Rock, Texas, 78664. And I just wanted to get that in. I'm really honored to be here, and I am excited about the guest I have. I have mentioned this gentleman's work before and paraphrased. I wouldn't go say quoted. I've tried to to, to uh, paraphrase what he's had to say. I mean, it's, I, I respect people who have um, – you know, blown the whistle because uh, that just um, I, I, I it cost me and it cost you to tell the truth sometimes. And, and this gentleman, it, I wanted to he, he's a very smart guy. J.J., let me let you uh, give your uh, introduction. Tell folks who you are at GigaArm Biological. Um, good morning, Stephen. Thank you very much for having me on. I I'm uh, not normally talking this so so early, so I really appreciate you getting me up and going. <laughs> A lot of times for me, the the hard thing is to hit the hit the go button um, and go live. And so it's very nice to have an excuse to be up so early and doing it. Um, my introduction can be very long, but I'll try to make it uh, as short as possible. Um, I'm a Wisconsin boy um, who moved to the big city of Chicago to go to uh, university. And I lived in um, Chicago. Hold on one second. You need a problem there? No, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm alive. You got to go out. Thank you, though, honey. Shut the door. Um, I got my boy. Live radio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry I, about that. it's okay. We, RBN is listening. Is used to that with me. It sounded like someone was shoeing horses one day. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so I, I am a Wisconsin boy. I moved to Chicago for university, and then I spent um, a number of years in Chicago as a young man, kind of treading water, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I went to university with the intention of going right to med school and becoming a big, important doctor. Um, and then I got waitlisted for a few years in a row. And at first, I started um, teaching high school as a way of treading water. Um, and then that, that pay isn't very good. So I started bartending at night and, uh, that pay is actually really good. And, uh, a couple years in a row, I decided just to bartend. Um, and that, I don't know if that was the, the right thing for me to do at the time from anyone else's perspective, but I think from, uh, a sort of growing up young man's perspective, it was really good for me to kind of hit a soft rock bottom with, um, with bartending and getting pretty cocky about how the money was coming in and whose money it was. And uh, I rubbed my the bar owner the wrong way by giving the keys to the wrong person and just casually taking a day off. And I got fired. And uh, it's pretty hard in retrospect to come upon a 
bar gig like I had where I was, you know, working three nights a week and making enough money and more. And so finding another gig like that in Chicago wasn't easy. And uh, I was forced to kind of panic. And I got a technician job at the University of Chicago that reminded me that I have been a biologist since I was a little kid and that I, I needed to do something more than than mix drinks and, and entertain people. And uh, so I started working with this guy at the University of Pittsburgh, or sorry, sorry, University of Chicago, who um, taught me a couple techniques that allowed me to um, move to the Netherlands, do my PhD in the Netherlands, uh, meet my wife in Amsterdam, and then move together with her to Norway, where I continued my training um, in a laboratory there in Trondheim. And we had a couple boys in Norway, and then we moved back to the Netherlands with every intention of getting tenure there and and settling down in, in the Netherlands where her family is. And uh, I didn't get tenure. I mean, I got some EU money uh, in my first couple years there, and then I just couldn't get anything to work sustainably. And so after four years in the Netherlands, um, we had no choice, really, because my wife had also gotten a Ph.D. in plant biology but we did not pursue her career she didn't really enjoy it she just finished her degree to finish it and so we moved to america because that's where i had my you know previous you know my whole life was here um and we moved to the university of pittsburgh i'd never lived or been to pittsburgh before i flew here and it's a beautiful little town with lots of trees and hills and water and uh so from the air it was just like wow pittsburgh is like this i have to admit i grew up in wisconsin i'm a packer fan and when i was a child the Steelers were winning the Super Bowls and everybody hated Lynn Swan and um, and Jerry Bradshaw. So I never liked Pittsburgh. I never wanted to like Pittsburgh. And so coming here was a little weird because I also didn't like the, the Pirates because I'm a Cubs fan. Um, so it's it was a real strange place to, to be so attracted to. Um, I had a couple, three good years at the University of Pittsburgh trying to keep my career going. Um, and when the pandemic broke out, I was already working on serendipitously a bike ride series where I was doing journal club for neurobiologists on my bicycle on my way back or on my way to work. And uh, I had an electric assist bike, so it allows you to get exercise, but still cover like 15 or 20 miles without killing yourself. Um, and so I could talk on my bike while I was riding and it was a really cool little show that when the pandemic broke out, I just did a couple bike rides where I did a coronavirus biology review. Um, and at some moment in 2020, I got an email from the the administrative offices of the media, the media department of the hospital that is attached to the University of Pittsburgh. The univer- it would be the, the UPMC um, medical system. Um, and she said that the Pittsburgh Gazette had contacted me for an interview, but they informed the Pittsburgh Gazette that my my expertise was not virology and I was not to speak um, to them, even if they contacted me directly. They said they saw my YouTube channel and they said, uh, OK, at the end of this email with a question mark, which I found bizarre. And a few months later, um, my immediate supervisor asked me not to come in anymore because I wasn't getting my temperature taken and I wasn't uh, putting a sticker on my ID every day. And I was also getting in arguments with people about whether you could read about legitimate science in the New York times or not. Um, anyway, it just so happens um, that the university of Pittsburgh had just extended my contract in July when they sent me home in October. So that meant I had like eight months 
And so during that eight months, I just kept teaching immunology online. And that got me enough followers to keep doing it for the whole, the whole year. And then early in 2022, I got a phone call from some guy by the name of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And he asked me to help consult on a book that he released a couple months ago called The Wuhan Cover-Up. And some of the biology that I teach every night is definitely in that book. And there's some quotes in there from me, which is kind of fun. Um, and then uh, for a brief period of time, for about six months after the book, I worked for Children's Health Defense. But my and that's the nonprofit that Bobby used to be the spokesperson for. Um, and that didn't really work out, apparently, because what I do on my stream is still too raw um, and I bumped in to the, the management a number of times about what I was saying. And eventually, to my own surprise, to be quite honest, um, my whole family was taken by surprise by it on January 4th. They just decided to lay me off. So we're back again, shaking a can on the Internet. But we have a good little core of followers. And I know from my previous years of of doing this that I think it's pretty important. So we're going to try and keep it going. I apologize for that extremely long introduction, but it is kind of a... It's kind of an interesting. I think that was. It's so it's so serendipitous that I find myself here. Um, well, yes, not- you definitely qualify as a thought criminal, sir. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that definitely established your bona fides there. You know, it's and I've learned from you too. I look, the, the listeners uh, may be aware of some of the things that you talk about, but you you bring it together. The word transfection that you use, I think, needs to be used more. We need to spread a lot of this information far and wide. Uh, you know, RBN listeners spread RBN too, but, you know, it, it, if I see how you say that the battle is for our kids. Let me let you get back to that because what you have to say is, is even more important than, than that. But I'm glad you did that because, you know, I uh, don't know that everybody would, would, would know. You know, I, I do believe what you say and is sincere. Okay, I've not met you personally, as I have some of my guests and all, but I have followed you and do trust what you say to be uh, sincere. Well, I mean, uh, that's really, I really appreciate that. But I, I also want to emphasize to everybody that's listening that um, one of the 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 core messages that I try to put out every day is that we all, as adults, have to take responsibility for learning this. It can't be. Something where, you know, we have a friend that knows about used cars, and so we're just going to rely on our friend to help us buy a used car or whatever. We've got to really learn this biology ourselves because it is who we are and it is who our kids are. And if we don't impart this understanding of what is sacred um, to our children, then they're going to grow up believing whatever the TV and social media, which is even worse, tells them. And that's, I think, the other transition point that I'm You know, as a biologist, it seems kind of weird to emphasize this all the time, but we are, you and I, I think, I'm 52, we are a generation that can understand the transition that we're at because we grew up at a time where kids would be bored and then get in trouble outside. We were were a generation that the solution was get out of the house. Don't come back until dinner. Um, And and that that kind of growing up with boredom that you yourself are responsible for filling is something that I see in my kids all the time. They don't experience it because they have a number of place fillers um, that are that are ready and waiting so that they never have that problem. And when we were kids, that would have been like daydreaming watching TV. But it's much worse now because they're they're putting short, uh, sometimes malevolent thoughts in their heads. And that includes 
these ideas about scary biological phenomenon that probably don't exist in order to to govern the globe. And so my my main message, and I think that's what you're trying to get me to spit out here, um, is that as a biologist, I walked into the pandemic thinking that vaccinations in general were a good idea and that maybe the United States applied some of these vaccinations too early or too often but I had not yet evolved my thinking to the stage where I was considering the possibility that they could just be wholly unnecessary or that they are being applied in a criminally negligent way. But when the pandemic came around and they started saying that they were going to use this technology called transfection to immunize old people, I immediately saw that they were also eventually going to they were thinking that they were going to immunize everybody this way. It started to really upset me because I have been using transfection for between 10 and 15 years in my own work on mice. I understand what it's meant to do, but I also understand that there are tremendous limitations to trying to do these kinds of things in a living system. And so unlike all the work that I've ever done, where part of the built-in plan is to sacrifice the animal in order to accurately describe the the anatomy of of the locations that you recorded from or the cells that you modified we don't plan to do any of those things with an old person or a young person that we transfect we want them to live a long healthy life and that's not something that anybody in my neck of the woods when using transfection ever had as an expectation you don't expect a mouse that you've transfected in their brain to live a long and healthy life you don't expect to be able to transfect a monkey multiple times in its life and have for it to live the long and healthy life. That's not a built-in part of any experiment. So the idea that suddenly at 2020, they had Bill Gates on the PBS NewsHour telling us that this new kind of vaccine where they toss in some RNA is actually really cool because then your body becomes the vaccine factory. And that spectacular combination of words is the most insidious lie I've heard in my lifetime. And that that idea, it needs to be dispelled. We can't have any college children, college young adults, regurgitating this idea in five years. Because if they are, we will be lost. And that, I really think, is the, the heart of the heart of the heart of it. If these kids, these young adults, don't understand what they were coerced into doing and how biologically dissimilar it is to previous vaccinations which in and of themselves were already worthy of scrutiny for the last 10 years ask any autism mom or dad and so we are inter- we are at a situation where we are arguing about the most recent version of a lie and we're even being tricked into not connecting this recent version of the lie with the previous existing How's that? We're coming up on the first break. That was terrific, JJ. We'll be right back, Thought Criminals. Hang on.
so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pasture-raised meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pasture-raised meats, and even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasteurized meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass fed and grass finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture raised where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard, and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. You're listening to Thought Crime Live on Republic Broadcasting Network, and I'm joined by uh, Jonathan uh, Cooey, J.J. Cooey of GigaArmBiological.com. Uh, and, you know, as a kid, uh, I wanted a chemistry set when I was six years old. I remember when I looked at science as to something that would elucidate what was the sacred biology. Now it's just it's been Frankenstein since then. You know, when I the more I learned, it just 
let me let you go back to you. I just relate so much to what you you say, sir. Well, uh, that's that's very nice. Um, I guess you just kind of triggered in me something. Uh, I just did a a show yesterday, which I think um, can bring a bigger picture idea to the forefront a little bit um, in terms of how they've they've convinced these people to participate in this. Um, And one of the things that I think needs to be made clear to the again, we're talking to college age kids. We're talking to young kids um, whose whose teachers in their schools are probably a little confused about this as well. But we need everybody to understand that 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 artificial intelligence is being hyped as something with potential very much in the same way that genetic therapies were hyped in the 80s. Um, There's a really interesting sort of anecdote that I can tell you of a guy by the name of Robert Malone, um, who was cutting his teeth in some of the most important virology labs and surrounded by some of the most important virologists in the late 70s, early 80s. in his in his uh, graduate school work and during his grad school work um, he had the choice of working with some of the the at the time preeminent biologists from from Murray Gardner to uh, Robert Gallo to even uh, to somebody like um, David Baltimore and so all of these you know grandfathers of modern virology um, circulating as a postdoc then um, convinced him that in 10 or 15 years that virology was going to progress at such a pace and our understanding of the genome was going to progress at such a pace that there would be genealogists or geneticists that were using retroviruses to cure childhood diseases in every local hospital in the nation in a few few years. And so what we need to understand as adults that we can partake or or, uh, impart on our children is that these stories of what was about to happen when we understood the genome better or when we had faster computers or when we collected enough data that we were finally going to be able to crack the code, so to speak. They've used that phrase a lot to, to imply that we're going to be able to see the blueprints and the instruction manual of life. And once we do that, we won't need God anymore or God will be irrelevant or we'll finally have proven that God doesn't exist because we will have attained this transhuman mastery of ourselves. This story, Steve, has been told for decades, especially in secret meetings and in in meetings of secret societies and meetings of of really rich people at at very expensive dinners talking about their plans for how they're going to to govern the world. This mythology about how eventually if we collect enough data there will be enough numbers, enough measurements that an AI will be able to take that data and convert it into understanding. That has been sort of belied by the 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 progress of understanding chess versus understanding the Chinese game Go versus understanding now. Uh, the example that I used yesterday in my show was the the success or lack of success of the autopilot in Tesla. And one of the things that I think is now becoming more and more uh, especially obvious with regard to Elon Musk and some of the things that he claims is very similar to how all of those virologists bamboozled Robert Malone when he was a young guy so long ago into believing that genetic technologies were going to evolve at light speed and that within 10 years there would be a geneticist that could fix childhood diseases using retroviruses. They are bamboozling us into believing that Eventually, with enough cores or with enough time or with enough data, 
artificial intelligence is going to be able to do things that heretofore were considered impossible or at least borderline magic. And I really can't emphasize enough how even if this is a future possibility, we are not we are not scratching that surface of that future possibility yet and that these people are actually are actually enchanting our children with this idea that AI is so powerful you might as well go limp. AI is so amazing that you might as well forget about it. That everything that you're going to do and learn in the future is going to be better than be, done better by AI. So there's no reason for you to learn to draw. There's no reason for you to learn to paint. There's no reason for you to make music. There's no reason for you to be creative. You have been relegated to to basically nothing. Be right. Hey, we'll be right back, folks. Bottom of the hour break. Thanks, JJ. That's terrific. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read one. This product has been a godsend for my father, who suffered from a heart attack about two years ago. He was prescribed medications for his condition, which was so serious, he almost died. But he hasn't been able to afford most of the medications. After researching alternatives that were more affordable, he tried Extendivite. Since taking it, he has consistently lower blood pressure and experiences less angina. We are currently on our fifth bottle. I enthusiastically recommend this product, and I am grateful that it is available. To order, call one 877 928-8822 or visit extendivite.com that's x-t-e-n-d-o-v-i-t-e dot com extend your life with extendovite Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. 
It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and join the social media revolution. Hi, Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Welcome back, talk criminals. Uh, I, I appreciate you joining me today. I uh, have uh, doc- it is Doctor Cooey, though, isn't it, Jonathan? I mean, I just have to say that I wanted the listeners to, yeah, you are you're Doctor Cooey too, right? I mean, you you you're a research scientist. I I think you might be a humble one. That's a rare thing. Um, I am a PhD. I don't say doctor because I feel like a lot of people get confused, and I think it's better if you're a PhD to just say Mister yeah. and uh, not not confuse anyone. You know, like like uh, like uh, Mrs. Biden is also a, a PhD, but she calls herself Doctor Biden all the time, and I feel like that's really <laughs> disingenuous. She confuses everybody with that. <laughs> but you can. Well, you can I respect it. Yes, sir. You can look I wanted to on. let the listeners know that. Uh, yes, sir. Go ahead. Yeah, you can look me up on PubMed, though, um, and you can find that I've been a, a, a legitimate academician, I usually call them nowadays, um, for a very long time. I was a, I was going for tenure. I wanted to be a professor. Um, that was my, my goal, and I did really enjoy that job. I do really enjoy it because as a, as a professor, as a research professor, one of the things that's, that's involved in that is having apprentices. And the, the, the grad students that come work with you they call them grad students, but what they really are are apprentices. And you're teaching them basically to to learn how to write grants, learn how to formulate experiments that get funded, and learn how to do the experiments that get funded. Now, I could do the experiments, and other people could write, but I couldn't combine those two. And so that's why I didn't really succeed. But 
part of the reason why I, I think I didn't succeed is because I didn't really understand how the sausage was made. And the way the sausage is made is how you can extend the answering of the same question over several years or several projects. And it's not to say that these people do it with with uh, disingenuous or malevolent ideas in mind, but they've come to understand that's how the system works. The The grant proposal NIH system is not designed to solve problems and then move on. It's designed to sort of explore a, a possibility space. And even when the possibility space has now been exhausted, um, oftentimes the, the funding mechanism is such is set up in such a way that all of the people that are des- that are dependent on that funding mechanism are unwilling to admit that the question has been answered. And so the funding will not be removed from them because they, it requires the fund in order the funding for the funding to move on. Those people have to agree collectively that that question has been answered. And so you get this incredible uh, inertia in academia where the same question gets asked many, many times by many, many people. And you might think that that results in thoroughness, but in a malevolent system where you have pharma- pharmaceutical companies and other uh, weaponized piles of money influencing that, you can get a lot of dead space in academia where the same bad ideas are pursued for decades. And that's where you get statins. That's where you get all these bad cancer treatments. That's where you get billions of dollars thrown into the wind when we know that there are there are certain good ideas that should be pursued. But then you'd have billions of dollars and lots of people out of work or lots of people having to shift their whole paradigm. And that might even include the money that they're making with the products that they sell. And so this is really um, it's really a spectacular time because it took me getting kicked out of that moving truck where I was like, but I really like my job and I'm really good at it. Why mm-hmm. would you throw me out? And I, I just couldn't understand it. I had it took me a long time to realize that I was not I was never going to be let back in. I really thought at some point they were going to come around and they were going to see I was right and I would be back to neurobiology and everything would be great. And I it took me a long time to accept that what I was doing was going to permanently ostracize me. And it's probably how you felt all those years ago when you spoke out that you thought you were doing the right thing and that people would listen and that these problems would get fixed. And instead, it's like, no. And in fact, it's worse than that. You have you have essentially admitted that you will not play. And since you're not going to play, you got to go. So that's where I found myself. I've been there in a way just but that was, you know, with the Aquatech thing. But it just I, I it beat me down for so many years. It's only when I started to talk back again to, to stand up that, that I started to change myself a little bit. That's that's where the real battle took place. And like I think that the most important battle after that is just as you were pointing out with our kids you're talking college age kids too but i mean public school public indoctrination systems are just they're that's weaponized too that that's that's such a trauma-based mind control thing they were doing there with the masks and and it looks like they look like little prisons now to me when i got when i was going it just that that's a different subject but let me uh, you said that you uh followed the way this uh illusion of consensus was created to sell that a 
pathogen made its way around and around the world and that's not true that just the, the data doesn't back that up at all and, and you, you want to just start with there because people if anybody's i hear people saying well i tested positive for this and then you know, it's like oh i just i have to step away from that and not even pay any attention to it those tests are just worthless to me why i don't care what that rapid covid test says who you know that that's irrelevant to me to me that's a weapon used against us and i, I just don't have anything to do with it but what would you say to somebody who is still in that paradigm how would you yeah how would you go about that um so that's a that's a tough one right you're describing the deepest of the deep people and that that we have to realize that that before too long um we're we're gonna have to just do things um anyway i'm not saying we leave them behind but some people are going to be unrescuable but from that perspective um one of the best places to start that sometimes wakes people up is to ask them um what do you think would have happened if we would have rolled out all of these tests in 2018 what would we have found nothing and just let just leave it there for a second. Just let them think about the possibility that there were at at some point in 2021, there were 254 different e- emergency use authorized testing diagnostic products in America alone. Now, how many of those products were brought to market rushed? How many of them were brought to market without proper quality control? How many were brought to market without proper uh, testing? We don't know because all of those, and I mean literally all of those products are gone. They're not there. You can't find an example of them to look and see and test uh, again to see if those were really good products or that that company was doing what they were doing. There were so many instant startup companies that bought molecular biological tools, ordered the reagents, and purported to be doing weekly testing for police departments in places all around the United States, and all of those companies are gone. They're gone. The companies that made millions of dollars testing police officers every day in California, those companies are gone. So we can't look at what amplicons they amplified, what primers they used, what what machines they worked on. We don't even know if their protocols are still on a piece of paper somewhere. And they're all gone. And so what you need to ask those people to get them started is to think what would have happened if this large group of products and 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 equipment and machines was rolled out in 2018 in all of these places at the same time and they started testing do you actually believe they would have found nothing until october of 2019 and that you would have been able to chart its accurate spread from wuhan all around the world because that's what they want you to believe and there is no precedence in biological history for a molecule of rna to be able to high fidelity copy itself for five years sustained. It's never even come close. And so if you can point out that what we are essentially doing is taking lots of pictures that we never took before and claiming that, look, every time I take a picture in my backyard, I see a cardinal. (laughs) You have no pictures from 2018. And so you claim that the cardinals just came and they're infesting your backyard. But you, if you had pictures from 2018, you'd see that the Cardinals were there too. And so we've got the big picture is trying to make people understand that the possibility is endless because we were, we've gone from not measuring anything to having a million thermometers in every, in every location in the world and then claiming there's global warming. We have no measurements from before 2020. So how can you put this into context, especially when 
you're taking the test seriously even when you don't have symptoms. That's where, you know, this all spiraled out of control was the idea that we could track this this RNA even when symptoms weren't present. These tests were were purported to be meaningful. And so if you combine these four or five observations that there were 254 at the maximum sometime uh, different diagnostics that are all gone now and that we don't have any control data from pre-pandemic to know whether any of these diagnostics would have brought the same signal then. And so therefore, the idea that this is just the evidence that we need to understand that there is a phenomenon happening now that started but wasn't happening in 2019 is is just uh, an absolutely false dichotomy that we cannot accept. It's not either or. It is that it could have always been there, or a signal that was there could be confounded as as this agent. And and it's so much safer for the people that run this show for it to be a giant pile of of misleading statements and and outright lies than it is to be some combination of cover up and bioweapon. Yeah, it's just by deception. And as you pointed out, the protocols were what caused the, uh, 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 well, you didn't point out here, but you have that the protocols are what spiked the mortality and that there was no spread from country to country that showed up that with the, it just, it, the only thing there was a pandemic of was fear and compliance. And that, that, that's the way it looks like to me. As you just said, you know, that's the, before we go to break, I think it's coming soon. Um, yeah. the idea that, what they did was have us focus on the wrong questions in 2020 and 2021 so that you and I wouldn't notice that they were killing people with ventilators. We wouldn't notice that they were killing people with with anesthesia on, on and, and remdesivir. We wouldn't notice that they were they were killing people in old folks homes and we would be thrown these numbers out of context and the confusion and uncertainty and doubt that those numbers and their the illusion of consensus on TV and social media about what those numbers meant made us very, very unlikely to question the basis for what they were saying and the basis for their projections. And it took us because of the effectiveness of this operation and getting us to solve the mystery of the novel virus and whether they were lying about it being a lab leak or a natural virus got us to avoid answering asking the question of do we really have something here or not and that was what it was it was panicking us into asking the wrong questions for three years and if we asked the right questions in 2020 like some of these people were we would have avoided this mess entirely i think it's clear that this was a military operation it was Absolutely. a war crime committed against every person on the planet it this depopulation agenda is part of it but it's also about creating that new control grid with the central bank digital currency the vaccine passport the the proximity sensors with this little nsa low jack i have in my hand i call it you know this thing is a weapons platform i talk about that a lot too and it just that's part of the whole thing is um part of a whole you know you, you have to they're, they're bringing this together as a control grid it's not one thing or another and that that part's really scary i i really appreciate you coming on we don't have a break until a couple of minutes but you guys next hour if you have um questions for jj uh uh you could call 512 248 8252 uh that's 512 248 8252 i wanted to let let your uh, chat know that too 
So next hour we'll take some callers. If and um, you mentioned Brett Weinstein too, how he was put in place, and a lot of other people were put in place to create this this thing. And I saw something with him the other day. At uh, uh, you want to you want to speak about that? What the you, sure. you said that the uh, Farron cleavage site and all that. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Sure. So what I think um, one of the things that people are forgetting or some of the things that are easier to forget if you weren't involved in it like I was from the very beginning is that in 2020, there were a certain parts of this biological narrative that were emphasized by everyone. And some of the people that were emphasizing it early had no business knowing it. Um, and this this comes down to this fear and cleavage site, which is essentially an enzymatic cleavage site, which was purported to be an unnatural signature in the spike protein of the original virus and so here you have a bunch of people in the backwoods of the internet that are already aware of the spike protein of coronaviruses being the immunogenic protein and already aware that a fear and cleavage site is dangerous and some of the people that were made aware of this were had to have been planted because in the end, the fear and cleavage site wasn't tracked. They didn't wait for the cleavage site to disappear and then announce that the fear and cleavage site had gone away in, in variant V. And so now it was much safer. They started this whole narrative in 2020 with the idea that the fear and cleavage site, and we've heard this just recently from the U.S. Right to Know story, that the fear and cleavage site is what allowed the virus to become the most infectious virus in 100 years. But then if it's such an important aspect of the virulence and the infectivity of the virus, why weren't we tracking the presence of the fear and cleavage site for the entire pandemic? And we were sequencing it. We were sequencing the whole virus, but nobody ever talked about whether the fear and cleavage site was changing or disappearing or whether some variants still had it and others didn't. And this is a key, key thing to see that we were encouraged to argue about that for a year and a half. And in reality, it was never meaningful. And in fact, what we should have been arguing about is should we be using remdesivir on old people? Should we be giving these people antibiotics or not? Should we be using steroids or not? Because instead they had a protocol and if you declared people, if you declared that people were COVID, then you were completely off the hook for any malpractice and you could do whatever you want as long as it was on the CDC protocol. It's really frightening. Um, that that's that's the deal with the protocols is they they distracted us so that we wouldn't notice that they were creating these mass casualty events that they could misconstrue we'll us. be right back folks uh yeah thanks very much Jedrick. we'll be right back Sit by me right now. 
homeowners? Are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. Health Simple with Cholera Shiloji. Fact bit number three. Shiloji is the supreme yoga vaha. Within Ayurveda, Shilaji is a singular substance that towers above all other herbs, herbal minerals, and earth-made adaptogens. Yogavaha refers to substances that have the ability to synergistically make better and carry other substances to its prescribed destination. In the case of Shilaji, most any herb, food, or mineral is amplified with ionic potential, superimposing superior efficacy with increased cellular energy and absorption rate. One of the best applications for Shilaji is to add a drop or two into your favorite herbal tincture or foodstuff. Simply put, Shilaji makes other substances more effective. Shilaji, legit Shilaji, such as Colorado Shilaji, is the king and the supreme yoga vaha. It is the tonic that indeed towers above any other earth mixed substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. Hey! Hey, welcome back, Thought Criminals. Uh, You're listening to Thought Crime Live on republicbroadcastingnetwork.org. And let me turn it back over to you. JJ, you got interrupted there. We were talking about whether this thing even it really was it ever really sequenced. Does it even you know that it was all a tool of control and and manipulation? I believe. Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, the the two things that we talked about in the previous breaks. One was just the misrepresentation of of transfection as a methodology that might be useful in healthy humans, and the other one was talking about the misleading sort of exaggeration of the the power of AI and what AI really is versus what it isn't. Um, 
I think one of the things to combine those two ideas together would be to make people realize that transfection, which is this general term which describes the use of DNA or RNA to express a protein in anywhere. So if you use it in a cell culture, it's transfection. If you use RNA or DNA to express a protein in a in a mouse, it's transfection. If you do it with injection into a plant, it's transfection. And so this is a very general term that's been around for a long time. And there's lots of companies that have had various products called transfection agents that have been like lipofectamine or gold particles, or you can even use electricity to do it. So the idea of applying transfection to usefully augment the human genome or the human, the human animal is something that they have seen as a coming technology for many, many years, but they've also known that there's no way to usefully start to understand how to employ this methodology by, by doing proxy studies in, in mice or in monkeys. And the reason why those don't work is because the, the complications that, that, that are a mouse or a con- the complications that are a monkey and the, the complex sort of pattern integrity that those animals are, they are sufficiently specific and sufficiently different from our own that although we can learn general principles about how these biological systems work by studying those animals, what we learn from monkeys and mice as we get more sophisticated becomes ever more specific for mice and monkeys and ever more non-relevant for our own biology. And they have known this for decades, Steve. So one of the things they need to do is to to transform the way our children think about their own sovereignty over their bodies so that they accept the fact that if we're going to get to this next stage of medicine, which is personalized medicine, you're going to have to accept that we don't test things in randomized control trials anymore. We test things on you. And so this is really part of the inversion that was going on right now was trying to invert the idea that you have the choice. No, now we're telling you what you have to do. And this inversion is not for us. They knew that we were going to complain until we were dead, but it's mm-hmm. for our kids. And that's really what, it, that's why I keep emphasizing it. They want us to pass this, this compliance onto our kids. Yes, I agree. We, I see it in the young ones that are always on the screen, just like you were talking about how we, oh, how we were bored as kids. Oh, I hear the, uh, top of the hour, folks. Uh, we'll be taking your calls all next hour. Uh, hang on, Thought Criminals. Be right back.
standing six foot four, weighing 245 pounds of crime fighting, political science analyzing brawn. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Patrick Slattery. So, Mike, get off this anti cicada agenda. I'm a born again traditional Christian, and my favorite possessions are right here on my nightstand. That would be the King James Bible and my 357 revolver. I'd rather be ruled by Chinamen than Jews. Cool it with the anti Semitic remarks, right? Just because you steal an election and terminate the republic doesn't mean you terminate the people in the republic, because we're still here. I'm not taking the vaccine. you, Bill Gates. There was a way forward still on January 6th. What needed to be done is to object to every single state. The COVID-19 virus was the setup. The vaccine could very well be a bioweapon. The Patrick and Jeremy Show. Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. You can't handle the truth! You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.